As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey ladies, um, this is like a cleanup man message before I jump into the full message. Um, my podcasts are never perfect. I always make mistakes, and most of the time, I just let it make it. I just let it ride. That's like the beauty of podcasting. Um but sometimes I got to come up and clean up stuff. So I was saying a verse and I was saying it incorrectly. I said increasingly abundantly above when what I meant was exceedingly abundant, abundantly above. And I didn't want none of y'all hating on me talking about she don't even know the scripture. So anyway, thought I would fix that. Enjoy the podcast. Hey ladies, what's going on? Thanks again for meeting me in the middle. And by me, I mean Myra, your homegirl, your friend, your host, your confidant, your boon coon, your just all of that wrapped into one virtually. (laughs) Thanks again for stopping in the middle. And it is always my commitment that when you give me a little bit of your time, I'm going to give you a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of um, advice, a little bit of information, a little bit of something. You're going to walk away with at least a little bit, most times a lot bit of something. And today, this week, actually, we've been... um, Jumping in and looking into women in the Bible. Yes, I said the Bible. Yes, I know that it may seem stale to some of you, but I promise you that the Bible is real, reliable, and relevant, y'all. The Bible is the best self-help book ever written, ever known to man. It's better than think like a man, act like a woman. It's better than men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's better than even some of the Christian self-help books like, um, what was that one? The Purpose Driven Life. Yes, that's good and it's based on the Bible, but there is nothing like the Bible itself. So as we um, navigate our lives after 40 and beyond, I would be a fraud if I didn't come out in full disclosure and let you know that if I didn't feel that a successful and abundant life was rooted in biblical truths, and if I didn't tell you that, then I would just be out here blowing smoke. So every now and then, um, I bring you just Bible. You know, sometimes we talk about teeth. Sometimes we talk about hair, fitness, um, relationships, all that kind of stuff. And most often my beliefs are just infused in that. But then there are some podcasts where we just come with the word and the scriptures. And that's what I'm doing today in this week. So we've already talked about Eve. We talked about Mary, Martha, and Sarah. And today we're talking about Lot's wife. And some of you might be like, she don't have no name. Like, it's 2020, Myra. Like, this is the era of feminism and, and women's rights. Can you at least give homegirl a name? Well, 
I didn't give her a name because the Bible didn't give her a name. So, and I'm going to go into a little bit of why I believe that um, it wasn't, I guess, important and maybe not important, but it served an even bigger purpose by her remaining nameless. So we'll go into that a little bit later. But before we jump into the text, which is going to be Genesis 19. So take a minute to turn there if you have your B-I-B-L-E's. Um, but before we turn there, I just want you to close your eyes and think about a time when you were in some mess. <laughs> You don't have to tell me the mess because I ain't telling you my mess. But think about a time when you were in a relationship that you know was just ratchet, unhealthy, not where you needed to be. Um, Think about a time where you were doing something with your finances that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Think about a time that you were getting money in such a way that you know wasn't right. Think about a time that you were interacting with someone, whether it be in your attitude, whether it be how you were talking to them, whether it be how you were walking around your house, not speaking to your husband for weeks, whatever the situation was. Think about a time when you were just living foul. And oftentimes, if we be honest, those periods of just sin living sometimes are easiest, sometimes feel the best, sometimes um, feel voids in a way that haven't been filled in a while. And the honest truth is that sin often feels right And sin feels good. But something happens when it's time we finally wake up and say, you know what? It's time for me to get out of this. So that's what we're talking about today. Lot's wife was in that same situation. But let me give you a little bit of background information. Abraham was Lot's uncle. And so for a time, Abraham and Lot were living on the same land, but they fell out. If you want to get the backstory on that, like I said, we're talking about specifically Genesis 19 today about Lot's wife. But if you want to get the backstory, back up a couple of chapters and you can get all this information. So Abraham and Lot, they fell out. And Abraham was like, look, I don't even want to see you, be around you. So what we're going to do, we're going to split this land and you're going to go your way and I'm going to go mine. And I don't want to see you so much. I'm so ready for you to get out of my face (laughs) that I am even willing to allow you to pick the side of the land that you want. And lots in his selfishness picked the best part of the land. And some of you are saying, girl, that ain't selfish. Like Abraham told him, like, why would he pick the worst part? Like if if I'm given a choice, (laughs) see you, sis, you a shyster, you, you the person, sis, that if I offer to break you off a piece of my cookie or my candy bar, you going to grab for the bigger piece. I got to watch you. But anyway, Lot, like you would, picked the best part of the land. But in doing so, it moved him closer to a city called Sodom. And Sodom and its neighboring town, Gomorrah, I guess you can think of it like Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex, neighboring cities. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were ratchet. The sin, um, just the level of depravity that existed in those two cities was um, just worse than what it was in some other places. 
And when God looked on that city, he was like, I'm done with it. Like there is nothing redeemable in it. God said that, you know what? I am going to destroy this city because of sin. And I'm going to make a quick, quick footnote, give you a little pre-message to the main message. Y'all, I know that we live in a culture where it's this you do you and I do me and what's right for you is fine. Um, where we are stressing acceptance and all of those things, which in some aspects are good. But the danger in that is that we are moving further and further away from God's standard of truth. And the culture, because we have not been careful, has moved to a place where God is looking at it and saying, (laughs) I'm about to destroy it. And that sounds like gloom and doom, but again, y'all, every now and then, it, it I feel that it's my duty to just drop some truth. Like, I don't want us to get so involved in all of the other ancillary stuff that if we don't, if we lose sight that Jesus is coming back at some point, all this other stuff I'm talking about, living your best life, like that will mean nothing. So, Ladies, just don't lose sight that we are passing through here and that what we live in now will one day not remain because God is coming to say, you know what? I'm tired of it. So don't lose sight of that and make sure that you continue to live in the culture, but not become of it. Be in the world, but not of the world. Make sure that you are um, never afraid to shine your light Shine your light in such a way that it brings illumination and clarity, but it doesn't have to be a blinding offensive light. So what I mean is oftentimes people say that Christians are snobs and unapproachable and jerks and all that kind of stuff because we get self-righteous and we get um, often condemning and judgmental. But you can bring the word of God and the truth of God in such a way that is loving but also clear. You can bring away, bring it in such a way that is unyielding, but also gives, um, what's the word? I'm unyielding to the truth. I won't change the truth, but I also come with support and resources to help you move closer to the truth. So yes, the word of God itself is offensive because when you tell somebody you wrong, it's offensive, but that's not me offending you. That's the word of God. So let the word of God convict and sometimes offend, but you don't have to be offensive. I hope that makes sense. Anyway, my main point was that we need to recognize sin in the culture. So moving on, Um, in Genesis 19, the angels come to Lot and they warn Lot that God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So you need to get up out of here, up out of here. And so I want to ask you, sis, have you heard a warning from God? And do you heed the warning? And you may ask me, well, how do I know if God is warning me? Well, in general, I think he warns in three ways. Number one, through the word, the word of God, that B-I-B-L-E, y'all, it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it gives us principles and precepts on how to live our lives. And it gives us consequences when we don't. So the word of God itself is a warning. 
Are you heeding the word of God that you know? Simple words like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Like, are you heeding those warnings? Um, He also comes to us in warnings by people like your big mama. (laughs) Your big mama told you the truth. So, God, she took you to church. She made sure that you recited scripture and she told you the consequences of living outside of God's will. Are you heeding big mama's words that came from God? Or your mama or your mentor or your pastor or your friend girl that won't allow you to stray without saying, "Mm -mm, pump the brakes. I thought we were both supposed to be living holy. And I just want to remind you of the commitment that you made. Like, are you heeding the warnings through people in your life? And the third and maybe most important is your own spirit from within the Holy Spirit that is within you. You know the spirit when he speaks to you and are you ignoring it or suppressing it when it doesn't tell you the thing that you want? So just like the angels came to Lot and his wife and warned them of pending consequences and destruction, are you sis heeding the warnings of God through the word, through people and the spirit? And so when the angels came, It says in verse 16 of chapter 19 that Lot and his wife hesitated. Like, like, think about that. Like angels come to you like angels now and they give you a message. But even in the face of angels and the message, they hesitated obeying because they were so enticed and ingrained in the culture of Sodom. They had got so accustomed to the pleasures of sin that even in the face of angelic beings being in front of them, they still hesitated. Sis, I just want to encourage you that a slow, incremental separation from sin will never work. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) A slow, incremental separation from sin will never work. Sin is too enticing. Sin feels too good for you to play around with it. When the spirit speaks to you in such a way that says, flee, get up out of here. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to contemplate. I want you to run like your life because it does depends on it. Gradual? No, ma'am. Just Go. Yes, you'll need a plan. Yes, you need to replace it with something. Yes, you need a village to support you. Yes, you need to figure all that out. But you do not have to figure that out first. When you feel or hear the warning, do not hesitate like Lot and his wife did. Get up out of there. Um, Many people are reading a book by uh, Michael Todd, and I believe it's called Relationship Goals or something of the sort. But what I do know specifically is that he encourages people when they realize that it is time to distance themselves and sever a relationship. He says, end it quickly, end it kindly and end it clearly. Don't hesitate. Get up out of there quickly, kindly and clearly. And so they hesitated so much that the scripture says that the angels forcibly removed them from Sodom. Sis, this was good to me because I look back on my life and I see some situations where I felt that God was being mean to me. 
because he didn't give me an opportunity, because he didn't let that relationship succeed, because I didn't get that job. And I felt that he was being that he was being mean. But when I look back over it now, I realize that he was being merciful. Mm. People, sometimes in our own stupidity, <laughs> God says your desires are so jacked up that I see you hesitating. And not heeding my warning. So I'm going to forcibly slam this door. Forcibly end this relationship. Forcibly remove you from this situation. And you think it's mean. But trust me. It's me being merciful. Come on now y'all. That is. That's faith. Faith is just not believing that God exists. But faith is believing that as you move through your life. When things happen. That there is planned purpose. And so when you look back at God and say, why didn't I have that thing? Why couldn't I get that thing? Why didn't that develop or or manifest? God, you were being so mean to me. And God is saying, if you have faith in me and that my plan for you is good, you will understand that it was me being merciful. And then in, in verse 17, after being told by the angels where to go, how fast to go, and not to look back. They disobeyed. So the story goes that Lot's wife, after having been forcibly removed from the city, and while Sodom and Gomorrah was being destroyed, she stopped and turned and looked back. And I know some of you are saying, but, 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 but wouldn't anybody look back? What's the big deal? Why is God being so hard? Well, let me tell you why. (laughs) Let me tell you why. Because God understood that she was looking back either because she was looking back and longing. And that longing meant that she didn't believe that what God had ahead of her would be better than what she was leaving. She could not fathom in her mind because of the desires, because of the connections, because of the relationships that she's made, because of all the benefits of the sin. She could not fathom that what laid ahead of her was better than what she was leaving. And sis, I want you (laughs) to understand, to believe, to trust that when God pulls you and severs you from something that is sinful, when God pulls you and severs you from something that you could even enjoy, but if it is not his plan for you, I want you to trust that what God has in front of you is better. That is true faith. Like it's easy to believe just in God and his existence. The hard part of the Christian life is the faith in believing that what God has for me is good. Say that out loud, y'all. I have faith that what God has for me is good. And so we talk about why, um, backing up to when I said that the Bible does not give Lot's wife a name. And I think that is important because not only is she not named, but we don't know much about her occupation, her age, her social status, whether she's rich or whether she's poor. And I believe that he did that because God says, I don't care. I don't care if I'm moving you from 
privilege to poverty. I don't care if I'm moving you from poverty to privilege. I don't care if I'm moving you from gainfully employed to unemployed. I don't care if I'm moving you from unemployment to a gainfully. Wherever God is moving you from whatever season, from whatever status, if God is telling you to leave it, leave it. Doesn't matter who she was. It doesn't matter what she had. God says, I promise you that whatever you leaving, that your latter glory will be greater than your former. If you are in my will, whatever has you entangled and no matter the benefits of that entanglement, because let's be real. Oftentimes sin comes with a whole bunch of benefits, but sis, whatever has you entangled and no matter what the benefits, it's not worth staying in sin because what God has for you is better. So when she looked back after being told not to, because that in itself was disobedience, she looked back because of fear and lack of faith. She looked back because she was having too much compassion for the people that were being destroyed. And listen, I know you said that sounds cold. That sounds cruel. But if you read the chapter, the people were given chances to repent. The people were warned. God looked for those who were holy and could not find any. So sometimes we are, are, how can I put this? We have more compassion for people and less, um, less focus on their choices. Yes, we should always be compassionate, but our compassion should not move us to ignore people's choices and thus their consequences. Compassion should not overrule people's own choices and the consequence of those choices. She looked back because she didn't understand that her sinful pleasures could be replaced with a holy healing. Sometimes we like Christianity and the things of God are boring, unfulfilling, take too long. And sometimes we don't understand that our sinful pleasures can be replaced with the holy healing. Lot's story, Lot's wife's story, boils down to simply. She could not fathom that what she was leaving, she couldn't fathom that what she was going into would be better than what she was leaving. So what I want you to do is I want you to identify the thing, the sin that has you entangled. I want you to identify it and then label it. Put a name on it. Is it a person? Is it a him? <laughs> is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it a habit? Is it a sin? What do you need to identify and label it? And once you label it, I want you to release it. Say, I'm done with this. And once you release it, I want you to run away from it and everything attached to it. And once you run I want you to replace it, replace it with other people, with other habits, with other opportunities that will fill the void. Identify, label, release, run and replace it. I want you to let the possibility. Y'all, that's that's a great word. Like as as adults, we don't have a lot of new starts and restarts and new beginnings. And so words like possibility and hope 
need to um, we need to force ourselves to sit in that and relearn what it means to to be excited about the possibility. I want you to allow the possibility of what God will bring to you once you show faith in leaving where you are. If you are in sin, what he will bring to you, the possibilities are endless. And that y'all, that scripture, <laughs> the possibilities are endless. The Bible says that he will do increasingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. If only Lot's wife had believed and had faith enough to believe that God can do increase, increasingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine, she would not have looked back. So ladies, I want you at women of 40 to understand that your future, as long as you have breath in your body, that your future is just a big bundle of possibilities. I don't care if you're 40, 45, 50, and I want you not to look back on those things and say, I don't want you to get stuck in the what ifs of life. What if that relationship? What if that job? Don't worry about the what ifs because God's plan for your future, your latter days will be greater than your former. So go back on your own time. Read about Lot's wife, Genesis 19. And I want you to study some con- some concepts like complete obedience. Because you do know that partial obedience is just disobedience, right? So yes, Lot's wife left. <laughs> but looking back was partial obedience because God told her not to look back. So read chapter 19 and think about where in your life have you been partially obedient, which is pretty much disobedient. Um, also study um, the concepts of immediate obedience because delayed obedience is really disobedience. Study that concept and ask yourself in your life, where has God told you to hurry and you've been dragging your feet and trying to get brownie points because you're doing a little bit of movement. No, sis, that's disobedience. So read that concept and see how you can learn from Lot's wife. And so when I think I've, I don't know if I even told you what happened when she looked back. When she looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt, y'all. Like that seemed so harsh to me. Like, do you ever say, dang, God? <laughs> so when she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt, I had a dang, God. But you have to look back. And what God had already done, he gave her a warning. He gave her the angels. He gave her instruction. So this was layers upon layers of um, steps that God was trying to instruct her on to prepare her for this. But she kept ignoring and dismissing the steps. So it wasn't just the look back. It was the compounded nature of the thing. So in looking at Lot's wife and learning from her. I implore you, sis, to not look back and to believe in faith that your latter days will be greater than your former. Because as women of 40, we understand that growing older with style and grace ain't easy, but somebody got to do it. So why not us and why not you? And choose to make it a great day.